Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. It's time to talk all things Dirty Birds. It's Falcon's Flyover. On Sports Radio 92.9, The Game. Back in the Kia Studios on Sports Radio 92.9, The Game. John Chuckery Show. Hanging out with you here on this Tuesday evening. 404-726-0929. That is our Solomon Brothers Diamond Text Line. We'll talk to Matt Merchel from the Orlando Sentinel coming up at uh, 820 here this evening. This, though, of course, is your nightly look at all things Atlanta Falcons. It is the Falcons flyover. You know, I was looking. Oh, by the way, uh, did you watch any of the Toy Story broadcast, Oren? I did. Um, it was a bit rough at first. They were having technical difficulties. So, from what I understand, well, if you broadcast from somebody's bedroom, well, that's, that that's gonna, yeah. that's not going to be good to begin with. Yeah. They all the players had like sensors in their shoulder pads, and that's how they were able to sort of take what was going on in the field and kind of do the. Uh, the animation for it right. uh, in Andy's room, but for some odd reason, like it, it, the motion capture was weird at first, and like guys looked sort of twitchy and glitchy. And there was one point for a good chunk of the first quarter where the only image you saw was just of the broadcast desk, like the announcers, the animated announcers, and they weren't showing any actual on-field play-by-play. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I did not see any of the the Toy Story broadcast. I saw like couple of uh, clips that that people were putting up and stuff like that uh with like touchdown like they, they showed the calvin ridley touchdown animation and all that. they had with the touchdown yeah. if, if somebody had an open field and they were running really really fast flame shot out their feet i'll say this uh i've read a lot of tweets from parents and saw a lot of feedback parents enjoyed it because uh disney plus did a really good job of breaking down just simple things during, like, hey, this is what a punt is. This is what a forward pass is. So they did it with the the goal of, if we're doing this for children, we want to make sure that we're informing them of not just, you know, what's going on, but just kind of football in general. Okay. Yeah. Well, I, listen, they did, uh, was it SpongeBob last year or something like Nickelodeon, that? Nickelodeon, the they had game? a playoff game, yeah. yeah. When you got a touchdown, you got slimed. Okay. Um, you, I've, I've had a kind of <laughs> Please don't. Please don't, John. No, I was going to say I've had please, a few Friday nights like that. But anyway. Please, um, please John. I know you're. Uh, no, what? No. Huh? No. In Buckhead? No. At, uh, no. At, 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 I don't um, know. Uh, what, no. Uh, what was what was the uh, Bell Bottoms? At, at Bell Bottoms? Do you want to go down that story? or? I don't want to go down oh, any okay. story with you All that right. involves you being at Bell Bottoms. All right. Uh, from our guy, Evan Birchfield. Uh, he always does a great job of uh, breaking down all of the grades uh, for – 
players from Pro Football Focus. Uh, so the the off- the top offensive grades for the uh, against the Jaguars in Week Four. So these numbers surprised me a little bit. Um, Lindstrom at an eighty nine point four. He was number one. Johnu Smith. I, I wasn't really surprised by that at eighty two point five. Drew Dahlman in an 82.4. Like, that one's got me scratching my head a little bit because there were some plays that he got blown up on. But, okay. Uh, Kadero Hodge at 77.9. And then Caleb McGarry at uh, 69.4. That's your top five on the offensive side of the football. Top five defensive grades. Uh, Jesse Bates was an 88.1. Calais Campbell was a 79.2. D. Alford was a 76.1. Taquan Graham was a 75, and Jeff Okuda, who I thought played a nice game, um, you know, who who only had, what, 11 snaps, I believe it was the week before. I thought he played a nice game, 74.9. Uh, some of the other notables, Desmond Ritter was a 47-2. Bijan Robinson was a 65-6. Drake London was a 66-5. Now, I will tell you the reason London, or I should say Bijan, even though he ran for 100 yards, but there were some pass block opportunities that he did not do a very good job on. And, and they factor all of that kind of stuff in as well. Uh, Pitts was a 57.9. Grady was a 64.3. And A.J. Terrell was a 57.5. Now, looking at some, some of the other things about this team. So this is one of my frustrations. Oren, I came into the season saying that the guy who needed to make the biggest leap for this team, if they were really going to have success, was Arnold Ebicady, even more than Desmond Ritter. I think Arnold Ebicady is the guy that had to take that big leap forward and provide that pressure coming off the outside edge. Let me ask you, what do you think his snap percentage has been so far through four games this season? What percentage of snaps do you think that he's played? I would say it's probably somewhere south of 50%. Let's say 31%. 33.46%. Really? I was that close. Yeah. I, I had not seen the number beforehand, so go but, more. Um, but, yeah, listen, um, you, you can go. Uh, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> um, I, that number's too low. I, I mean, at some point – you can't have a guy who expects to be a starter and is a guy who's supposed to be your edge setter. And for lack of a better term on this team, you know, he's supposed to be that fire breather coming off the edge. If he's only playing a third of the snaps for this defense, that's a problem. And I'm not telling you that it's a matter of he he should be playing more or this or that or whatever like that. But, again, this is one of those guys that we put a lot of faith and trust into as a second-round pick, a second-round pick that so far has been underwhelming. I mean, it's it's been underwhelming at, at this point through four games. You know, he doesn't have a sack. He's got, what, two or three quarterback hits. I think he's got two quarterback hits, you know, on the season. And, and when you look, you know, um, Calais Campbell's played 62%. So, again, he's done a nice job of being able to play a good percentage of snaps. Now, again, we're only four games into the season, so you squeeze every bit of that juice out of that lemon for right now. Because, again, if you look at his numbers last year, they were the same kinds of percentages early on in the season. Then they started to tail off and taper off after that. 
Grady's playing 70.72%. I like that. Um, Trey Flowers has had to play a lot, obviously, at 67.68%. But Ellis has been on the field for every play. A.J. Terrell, Richie Grant, they've all three been on the field for every play. And then Bates is uh, number four at 98.1%. So, again, I just I, I, I look at that snap percentage and I say to myself, Okay, like we're not getting to where we need to be defensively if he can't play a higher percentage of snaps or, you know, if he's having to come off the field because of this, that, and the other. So we'll see what happens uh, again. But um, hopefully he can get this thing on track and hopefully he can find himself uh, in some sack uh, opportunities. Uh, Parker Hesse went to IR uh, today, and the Falcons re-signed Frank Darby. So take that for what you will. Um Frank Darby, uh, people people have told me for years Frank Darby was going to be this amazing wide receiver with his speed and all this, that, and the other, and that's yeah, never really happened. Uh, but anyway, so, uh, but Parker Hesse, uh, he is officially on IR uh, for this evening. Did you see this story about Keith Smith that he got fined $87,418 um, by the NFL uh, on a play against the Detroit Lions. So not even this week. That was against the Detroit Lions the previous week. It was an unnecessary roughness um, on the first play of Sunday's loss to uh, the Detroit Lions. The crazy thing about it is that it wasn't a penalty on the field. And I believe it's the largest fine to a player for a play that wasn't called a penalty. Said so the play came from uh the or said so the fine came from a play in which Smith appeared to lead with his helmet while blocking Detroit running back um Zonovan Knight, knocking Knight to the ground. The hitch the hit which came on a 10-yard kick return by the Fal- Falcons Mike Hughes did not result in an in-game penalty. So again, I, I think the stat that I saw is is that the it's the it's the biggest fine ever for a play that wasn't called a penalty on the field. Now how do you how do you not if the league is able to go back and fine a, a player $88,000 for a hit do the referees get fined for not calling it a penalty? I'm not telling you that that Keith Smith should have been fined but shouldn't the referees be fined if they don't? If that play was so egregious that you're talking about again a hundred thousand dollar fine to a player, shouldn't the referees be held accountable for that too? Mean to tell me that there's no accountability for the referees that that they just go on and do whatever they got to do. And, and by the way, I mean NFL officiating is leaves a lot to to be desired. Uh, but anyway, that's another story for another day. All right, Arthur Smith talking about Texans quarterback C.J. Stroud. Now, Oren, in April of this year, I said that, I, I first off, I like C.J. Stroud more than I do Bryce Young. and He's bigger. I, started. I, well, they yeah. can't run quarterback sneaks in Carolina because Bryce Young is so small. Yeah, and look, I said if there was one guy, if there was one quarterback that I would trade up for from our eighth pick, it would be C.J. Stroud. Like, C.J. Stroud 
would have been the guy that I would have traded up for. Here's what Arthur Smith had to say about uh, him, uh, about C.J. Stroud. Quote, I think they should have a lot of confidence after the last two games. He's made some plays. He's a talented player. That's the thing about C.J. You, uh, is you saw him uh, doing that coming out uh, of Ohio State. And uh, he says, uh, when, when talking about uh, being a believer after uh, the game against Georgia, quote, he was probably the only, to Georgia's defensive credit, C.J. was the only one that looked pretty good against what's arguably been the best defense in college football the last couple of years. So it shouldn't surprise anybody. He's a good football player. He's making a lot of good throws. Maybe we can acknowledge that there's no perfect test coming out, which I agree with. I mean, I don't, I don't have a problem with that. But certainly, look, Stroud is a guy that has been impressive over the last couple of weeks. And, and like, again, he's going to struggle like all rookie quarterbacks. But, again, if you look at the numbers, I think, he's, I think he's in the top ten as far as passing yards go. And he's got six touchdowns with no interceptions. Still pretty well. On the year. Yeah. He's got 1,200-plus yards, six, IN, or six, sorry, six touchdowns with no interceptions. He's had two games in the first four over 300 yards. And, by the way, his completion percentages, 63-64, 63-83, 66.67, 53.33 last week in their win over Pittsburgh. So what do you think happens if he throws for 75% completion percentage? How many yards do you think he's going to throw for in that game? If, it's, if he's 75% against the Falcons, that's going to be over 300 yards. All right, we'll talk some college football with Matt Michelle when we come back. Chuck, we hanging out in the Kia studios on this Tuesday evening with you. Sports Radio, 92.9 The Game, and the Odyssey.com app. Sports Radio 92.9, the game back at a Chuckery show, hanging out in the Kia Studios Tuesday night with you. So far, no score in uh, Philadelphia, in Miami. Of course, the winner of that series will take on the Atlanta Braves here coming up. Well, uh, look, Georgia had a scare. Tech had an awful loss. So college football is in full season effect. Let's head out to the WadeFord.com hotline. Let's talk to our buddy Matt Merchell, national college football writer, for the Orlando Sentinel, you can follow him on his personal Twitter page at OS Matt Merchelle. Joins me on the waitfor.com hotline. Matt, uh, as always, buddy, appreciate a few minutes uh, on the show tonight. No problem. No problem. How are you doing tonight? Man, I am good. I am good. Um, you know, I want to start. Well, let, let's start with the two Florida teams that you know a little bit about. Um, let me ask you first about Central Florida and just kind of the acclimation uh, with all of those teams that have now moved in, you know, to the Big 12. I mean, look, Central Florida got off to a nice start. They were 3-0. and And then the reality of maybe the Big 12 kind of hit them where they've lost back-to-back conference games. How do you think they and some of these other programs have acclimated to the Big 12 so far? Well, I think he's just done okay, you know, getting into the Big 12. You know, they were they were in – you know, the, the game with Kansas State, their opener, all the way down to the, the late third quarter before, you know, uh, Kansas State was able to put, you know, kind of take advantage of some miscues and put the game away in the fourth quarter. And, and the same thing for Baylor. You know, they were up 35-7, you know, I mean, going into the late third quarter. And then Baylor made its incredible run, you know, with 29 straight points, you know, and, and was able to beat them. But I, I think they've done better. I mean, the results haven't been there. But, um, you know, I, I think when you talk about talent and things like that, 
Um, I think other some of the other programs struggled. Obviously, I mean, you look at all the newcomers. I think they're one in, you know, they're they're like one in five. You know, when you look when you look at overall, you know, when when you look at what they're doing in the Big Twelve, BYU's only, you know, Big Twelve win is it came against Cincinnati this past weekend. So, um, there's, you know, I, I think they're all trying to learn to adjust. You know, you talk about how what's different in the Power Five conference. Well, you're looking at better depth, better speed. You know, um, you know, more talent at times. Uh, and I think all these programs which are making that leap from a group of five to a power five are going to have to eventually get to that point, whether it's through recruiting or transfer portal, to kind of help you know, build up some of those areas. And I think that's where you're really going to start seeing some of the differences over the next couple of years. Matt, uh, you and I talked before the start of the season, right, about the time of, of the start of the regular season. And, you know, we talked about Florida State specifically. And, and I, I said that, I thought that they would be a playoff team this year. And I thought, you know, I thought they would beat LSU, but I thought a lot of things hinged on that game in Death Valley. Well, look, um, say what you will, but they they won, right? I mean, it doesn't matter how they won, but they, they won the game. Now you start looking at their schedule moving forward, and the only two ranked teams that are left on their schedule are Duke and Miami, and both of those games are at Doak Campbell, you know, this – I don't know if they're going to run the table, but when you look at some teams that have a real legitimate shot, I think I think, I think, think right now Florida State is one of the leaders in the clubhouse, along with Georgia, because I don't think Georgia plays anybody. But I think Florida State is a real chance to run the table at 12-0 and heading into the ACC title game. I think they do. I mean, listen, this, this is a Florida State team that hasn't even played their best game yet. They haven't played a complete game. You know, the LSU game, they had to come back in the second half and really kind of turn it on to beat LSU. You saw what happened at Boston College where they were behind the Boston College, back and forth type game where they, you know, they struggled to put Boston College away. You know, at Clemson, you know, I mean, it took a second half kind of rally to, to get them to, to, to put Clemson away. So they haven't had a complete 60 minutes of football yet. And I think once that happens, it's, they're going to be scary. But the thing to me about Florida State this year is they've got to avoid a letdown. Somewhere on the schedule, you pointed out Duke and Miami, yes, those are the two ranked games. But there's games on the schedule where you got to say, okay, you've got to go and take care of business. Syracuse is one of them. Uh, the game at Pittsburgh and the game at Wake Forest are, are, are three games you know, that you look at that you can't go in there and you know, kind of just go through the motions and expect to win those games. You're going to have to find a way to beat those teams. So they've got to make sure they take care of business if they want to be able to do that because you're right. You know, it depends on what happens with Riley Leonard's health, with that Duke game, how that's going to match up, and the Miami game. Who knows what's going to happen to Miami by the time they get to November 11th. So they're going to need to take care of business, continue to get healthy, and play like they can play, and then I think they have a chance to possibly do that. I, I'm with you. I, I mean, you look at the schedule, I think, you know, Georgia's probably the, the only other team, maybe maybe Texas, depending on what happens this weekend, um, they could have a chance to run through it. But um, it's going to be difficult. I think parity is starting to run through college football right now, and you're seeing that in some of these teams. Matt Michelle, college football writer for the Orlando Sentinel, joining me here on the waitfor.com hotline. Let's uh, talk a little bit about Georgia. You kind of feel in some ways that they got their scare out of the way. Um, you know, that game, look, I'll, I'll say that I never really thought that Georgia would lose that game in Auburn, but you know, again, they had a couple of scary moments against Missouri, Kent State, I guess, maybe last year in some ways. But this feels like, okay, they've gotten this game out of the way. Now they regroup and come home to play, you know, Kentucky. And to be honest with you, I mean, I, I know Stoops and Kentucky's off to a really good start. 
but I still just don't see Kentucky being able to put up enough offense to beat Georgia at home. Yeah, I mean, I, I hope Georgia's got it out of their system. I mean, listen, <laughs> I, I think the, the concern with Georgia going you know, forward is there's times in the season where they look bored to me, you know, and that's something that happens. When you've won back-to-back national championships and you're going in for that year, that third one, it's hard sometimes to get players to, to, to have that hunger, to go out and say, okay, we're going to win it again, you know, because – you know, there's more NIL money. There's more attention going on. There's more, you know, people think, okay, we're going to walk through the schedule. You've been told that for months. You're going to walk through the schedule to get into the playoffs. So you, I think at times, and I, I mean, we talked about this last year a little bit, the only team that's going to beat Georgia is probably going to be Georgia. You know, as long as they don't turn the ball over and as long as they take care of the business, they should be able to handle the schedule. But, you know, if you get bored and you get kind of get complacent and, you know, you, you're not doing the things you need to do, the extra lifts in the weight room, or, you know, staying after and, and flooring a little longer. I mean, that stuff can come at you. I mean, I, I'm with you. I, I think they beat Kentucky for sure. But in the schedule, you know, Vanny in Florida is not going to be, I don't think, much of a challenge. But you look at the end of, of, of that schedule, Missouri, Ole Miss, Tennessee, those are three games where, you know, we don't know what's going to happen by that point. But, you know, they've got to make sure they're locked in at that point because they can't slip up on one of those teams, you know, or, or else, you know, what would have been a, a, probably a, a perfect season goes out the window. Not saying that still wouldn't mean they could win the SEC and move on to the playoffs, but they, they just need to continue to be focused. It, it seems to be a little lack of focus in some of these games. How well do you think Miami has played this year? Have they been a little bit of a surprise? I mean, you know, they're 4-0 at this point, and it always feels like, you know, you never know sometimes at times which Miami team, you know, that you're going to get. And, look, it's been a, a pretty – Easy schedule by and large. I mean, you know, a nice win at, at A&M. But, you know, they've got Tech coming up who just is coming off a dreadful loss, maybe the worst loss in Brent Key's short time here against Bowling Green. But then things start to ramp up. It's at North Carolina, home with Clemson, at NC State, who's not been bad this year, at Florida State. Even Louisville is ranked um, now in the top 25. You know, is this a for real team or, you know, are, are they kind of like getting through this easy part of their schedule before they really get into the meat of things? Yeah. You know, I, I think they're for real team. I mean, this is a, a much different Miami team that we saw last year. I mean, offensively, this team's night and day different from last year. I mean, Tyler Van Dyke looks like the quarterback that he was a couple of years ago when he won ACC freshman of the year. He's got 11 touchdowns, one interception. The offensive line has played outstanding. He's only been sacked twice. They're running the football. That's been, always been, in my mind, a key for them. They've got to run the football. They've got to be diversified on offense. You know, defense has played well, you know, early on, and they're going to need to play well because, as you mentioned, you look at that schedule. I mean, they've got some games where I think they're going to get some challenges. I think, you know, not, maybe not Georgia Tech, but I think North Carolina is going to be a challenging game. I think Clemson is going to be a challenging game. You mentioned NC State and Florida State and then Louisville. So um, we're really going to get a chance to see how good this Miami team is when we get to probably, you know, November. Um, if they could survive that November, you know, stretch and, and, and they're, you know, maybe they only come out with one loss, I mean, then you've got a chance maybe to compete for the, a- the ACC championship. But, um, you know, they've got to continue to do the things that they've been doing so far early on. But you're right. They really haven't been challenged outside of that Texas A&M game in week two. Matt, could you make a case that the Pac-12 has maybe the three fi- uh, finalists for the Heisman as of right now? Caleb Williams, Michael Penix, and Bo Nix. I mean, could you make a case that that might be one, two, three right now for the Heisman Trophy? Yeah, I've, I've said I've said this earlier, and I said this for a while. I think I think the Heisman winner comes from the Pac-12 this year. I mean, I, I just think 
I mean, Caleb Williams has done well, obviously he's put up a lot of big numbers, but Bo Nix is, is doing it with a team that is not only, you know, uh, a powerful offensive team, but has done really well defensively. That's always going to help them out, you know, and, and, and Michael Picks has, has done really well. FedEx has done really well. You mean, look at what they've been able to do. Um, this, this Pac-12 league is so interesting to me. You know, they've got, you know, uh, so many teams. They've got six teams that are ranked. Um, they're the strongest conference as at this point right now. And, you know, again, as long as they can avoid this, what usually happens in this conference where they end up beating up on each other and, and you start to see teams, you know, get losses late in the season, I think there's a chance you're going to see at least one or two of these teams up in the top top six or seven as we move closer into the getting closer to the college football playoff. And, and that's going to be big for them. I mean, it's too bad this conference is, is disappearing next year because you're seeing some really powerful programs coming out of it. You know, the other thing, too, is, you know, you look at Penn State, Michigan, and Ohio State, and, um, you know, look, it was a, a nail-biter, you know, against, you know, Notre Dame. But in some ways, maybe it feels like those teams also haven't played some of their best football. Like, I've, I, you know, I'm from Northeast Ohio. I, I have my criticisms about Ryan Day, and, you know, again, I don't think their offense plays the way it should at times. And you can tell me about Kyle McCord, but, again, he was Marvin Harrison's high school quarterback. I mean, so – but but I, I do think in some ways that we haven't seen the best out of those three teams. And, you know, again, the schedule will get amped up here as we get later in the year where, you know, they'll do that round robin of playing everybody. Yeah, I think you're right. You know, I mean, listen, I, I'm, I've been telling people, I think the scariest team is Michigan. And the reason I think Michigan's scary is because no one's talking about them. You know I mean? When you're talking about the top of the, of, of, of the rankings, who are you talking about? You talk about Ohio State. You're talking about Georgia. You know, you're talking about Texas. You're talking about Florida State. No one's talking about Michigan. And I get it because Jim Harbaugh was suspended for the first three games. And you look at their schedule, they haven't played very much anybody. But their team right now is playing solid defense. They run the football really well. Um, they're quietly at this spot. And they've got a schedule right now, much like Georgia. They can run through the schedule so they get to mid-November when they got to play Penn State and then they got to play Ohio State. They could be, you know, undefeated getting to that point. So this is a Michigan team that's really solid. Then you got to mention Ohio State. They haven't played necessarily their best football. They're going to have to get challenged soon. And Penn State, again, they're, they're sixth in the country, but no one's really talking about Penn State outside of Pennsylvania. I mean, they're, they're just because they, you know, I mean, there hasn't been anything outside of that Iowa game that anyone can really say they're going to be set. That changes in, in, in several weeks when they play Ohio State at Ohio State. So we're going to see what happens there. But this is just one of those uh, divisions right now where no one's really talking about any of these teams. And it'll be interesting to see what happens over the next couple weeks. Matt Michelle, he's National College football writer for the Orlando Sentinel. Join me here on the WadeFord.com hotline. You can follow him on his personal Twitter page, at OSMattMichelle. And uh, Matt, as always, buddy, appreciate a few minutes uh, on the show. Always enjoy talking with you, and uh, we'll catch up again here soon. Sounds good. Thanks a lot. Have a good evening. You got it. When we get back, it will be time for What's Bugging Chuckery. I mean, Greenberg is really going out on a limb with uh, what he had to say earlier today. We'll play you that clip coming up next. Chuckery hanging out with you here in the Kia Studios. Sports Radio, 92.9 The Game, the Odyssey.com app. Sports Radio, 92.9 The Game. Our Atlanta United play here. Going for the game. Sports Radio 92.9, the game back at a Chuck Free Show Tuesday night with you here. 404 726 0929.
That is our Solomon Brothers Diamond text line to be a part of the show. Um, one hour from right now, our buddy Rusty already asking on uh, the text line, are we going to do Rankum tonight? Absolutely. Absolutely. We will do Rankum. So in an hour from right now, we will get to a Rankum. So you can hit us up on the text line, on my Twitter page, at JMCH316. He's at Orn Romain, O-R-I-N-R-O-M-A-I-N. I spell that right? R O M A I N, no E, like no, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't, you don't have an E. E. Anyway, <laughs> we've we've taken it easy on Orn uh, tonight. We've only had you know one head and hands moment, um, you know, so far on the show. So well, I mean, we're, we're kind of working him into the flow and the mix and oh, good, and it gets everything. worse, huh? Oh yeah, no, it does. Yeah, yeah. Listen. Um, what is it? Uh, what was the old saying in Batman? The the uh, the the night is darkest right before dawn or whatever. It that's that's yeah. what it's going to be. The, the night is the yeah yeah. That's that's cool to know. Yeah. Thanks. Um, no, I listen. Um, you know, I just I want to prepare you for the worst. I mean, so you know, always always anticipate. Listen, we were supposed to have Rob Tribble call in. Uh, we got a shout out from AJ Cannon. So we, we, we're going to have our, our band of Merry Misfits uh, as part of the show. Goody, goody. <laughs> and, and listen. I love Rob, but you and Rob together are. You're cool. Rob's cool. You and Rob together are fear. That's fear inducing. Right. That's nightmare right. fuel. Do, do you know? So, you know, Conti wanted to put us together for the Falcons flyover this year. What was the thought process behind that? Um, was there a thought process behind just, that? Just the just the idea of chaos. Yes, and 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 again, these would have been shows at Margaritaville, so that would have worked out really. Oh, poor well. Garrett. Actually, no. This is actually I had to do the flyover the week before last, so it would have been poor me. Yes, but yeah, no, yeah. You two at Margaritaville, just out and about in the wild so to speak. Do, do you remember when Marshall was our producer for Rob and I doing the Falcons flyover? Yeah, poor Marshall. You know where he is right now? Uh he's out in the woods hiking. Yeah, he's somewhere. hiking the Appalachian yes. Trail right yeah, now. Yeah. Um cuz his brother put something on Facebook or whatever. He was like raising that. uh raising money, but yeah, he's on the trail right now. So shout out Marshall kind of did like a not a 360, it's a 180. He kind of he went a, you know, it's a different sort of dude now. Oh. Not from that one night that you worked with him and you swore on air at him. Yeah. Yes. Well, yeah, I, I I said a word that didn't get dumped either. I mean, it was – but, again, it was warranted. I mean, and not that it was all Marshall's fault, but, I mean, again, it was just ridiculous. Pretty sure I mean, it was just, like 95% Marshall's fault, though. Huh? Well, okay. I mean, I, I was trying to be nice uh, yeah. in the whole thing. but I'll be mean. So I, I, just, I just let it fly or whatever like that. So. Yeah, you let it fly. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of letting it fly, uh, no, sorry. <laughs> we'll get, we got Rankum coming up in an hour from right now. Uh, as of right now, it looks like no score between Miami and, uh, Philadelphia, Philadelphia, as I like uh, to call them. So, um, you know, the, the Phillies won this series, but they, uh, if you look, the Marlins played them actually pretty well. Like this was a pretty competitive series between these two teams. And I think everybody just assumes that the Phillies are going to roll uh, right over them. But, you know, Marlins Miami's a hot team them. right now, too. Yeah. 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 I mean, so uh, look, good for the Marlins, right? I mean, um, and I saw where Ronald Acuna was voted the 
was it Baseball Digest Player of the Year and like eBay Player of the Year. Don't which, let those two be the only awards he wins this offseason no, from Baseball I, Digest. If you win the eBay award, do you get to go on and pick something from an auction? You can just go to just the website and just pick whatever you want? Uh, well, no. They just they just put some credits into your account. They, oh, they okay. give you the they eBay, credits. They give you the eBay bucks, right? right. Isn't that what they are, the, the eBay bucks? Just, I always paid real money for my goods on eBay, not the eBay bucks. No, no, no. I mean, they, they, you can earn eBay bucks to buy more stuff. I wasn't aware of that. Yes. You didn't, you've never gotten eBay bucks? No, I just so like always when, paid cold so like, hard cash for it or plastic. No, well, but I mean, when you when you buy some stuff, then you can earn like credits to uh, as eBay bucks that you can buy more stuff. Is that like when you go to a strip club? Excuse me, a shoe modeling establishment and they have the dollars that are just specially like for that place? And you have to spend real money to get fake money, and you can yes. only spend that fake money in that one spot. Yeah, and and then you bring the garbage bag in full of cash and make it rain, so you, to speak. Yes. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah, you got to cover that thing. I mean, so um, anyway. <laughs> Jesus, be a fast clock right now. Jesus, be a fast clock. Well, I mean, listen, we're almost to the final hour of the program. So, oh, speaking of which, let's get to something we call what's bugging Chuckery. Don't look now, but somebody out there just got Chuckery ticked off. <laughs> like, that's hard. Don't make me angry. You wouldn't like me when I'm angry. It's time for What's Bugging Chuckery on Sports Radio 92.9, The Game. So, I guess earlier today on, what do we call it? It's Get Woke or, or Hot Woke or get, get up. Hot Take. Yeah, so Get Out. So, whatever that show is with all the nudniks that, that they have you know, on there which is run by the lead nudnik uh, of everybody, um, Mike Greenberg of ESPN. And I, I think that – is that the only thing he does? He doesn't do any radio now, right? Like, Greeny, Greeny doesn't do radio now. Might be the occasional play-by-play. He might be doing the uh, – he might be involved in the NBA stuff they do too, but that might be it, yeah. Um, Yeah, but didn't they – aren't they going a different direction with, like, Malika Andrews or somebody like that now? That is true. Malika does do the uh, inside the, the, uh, yeah. the so I, I NBA think, account I, now. I, yeah, because I think they don't even have him on that anymore. So, again, you know, the, the cousin of Hot Take Tommy, um, Mike Greenberg, he had this to say about what the Atlanta Falcons should do with their quarterback position. The Bears are going to have maybe the first two picks in the draft next year. Right. They're going to take Caleb Williams. They're going to move on from Justin Fields. If Justin Fields was the quarterback of the Atlanta Falcons right this minute, Ooh. they would be a thousand times better off. Okay. So let me ask you a question. If And I know coaching has been part of it and this, that, and the other. And he called out the coaches. Then he brought it back and, and all this, that, and the other. At, at some point, when do we actually put this on Justin Fields and just maybe it's never going to happen? Like, does anybody think that right now we would be a thousand times better with him? I, again, you look at how many sacks that our quarterback takes right now. How many sacks you think that he's going to take behind that offensive line? Remember, that was one of our best games that we played at our defensive line that we actually, I think, got four sacks against Justin Fields last year. And I know all about his talent and all that kind of stuff. I get all of that. 
But at what point does it start to be, this is not going to happen? And more than just the change of scenery, you know, because, again, they invested in their offense. Like, wasn't like that they didn't draft guys and sign free agents and try to invest in upgrading their offense, right? I mean, that's how they got D.J. Moore, who's a 1,000-yard wide receiver, right? Carolina's best, you know, uh, probably playmaker on offense. But at what point does it, like, become, okay, this is not going to work, and not just he needs a change of scenery, but this is never going to develop. And I got to be honest with you, if you think that Arthur Smith is a bad coach now, let him let him not have success with Justin Fields, and people will just be bat crap crazy for all of it. Like you think that people are frustrated by what he's doing with Desmond Ritter now, brother. If he if if Justin Fields isn't the MVP of the league, they're going to be all on Arthur. And that's the thing. At some point, some guys are just never going to make it in the NFL. And I don't mean by they're never going to be able to play or this, any other. Dustin Fields will probably have a long career in the NFL, and he'll make a gazillion dollars. He'll make more money than the federal government. But at what point does it become that, hey, some guys aren't winning in the NFL? We complain about, you know, where we're at. That's supposed to be a team that is better. And look, outside of Detroit, that division isn't all that good. Minnesota stinks. Their only win this year was against Carolina, for God's sakes, last week. They've not been good. The reality of their one-score games caught up to them. They've not been good. Green Bay's a very average team at best. And obviously, Detroit is probably the class of that division for right now. But do you think that, again, bring Justin Fields here, and I, I promise there wouldn't be anybody that would blame Justin Fields on anything. This would all be about Arthur Smith and this, that, and the other. But, I, again, I, I, Justin Fields coming here isn't going to solve things. Like, that's not improving our line of scrimmage. We get so enamored with all of the shiny objects and all of the distractions and all of these other things that at some point, you know, if we just play fundamental football, you know, we'll get back on a winning track. Now, hopefully that starts here on Sunday against the Houston Texans, but I don't think anything about Justin Fields being here makes us a thousand times better. But again, I know all these hot take guys that they think that, well, we're just a quarterback away from being really good. Even though we've given up 16 sacks and we've only sacked the quarterback five times. You think that ratio is sustainable? 16 sacks for our... So basically, we're averaging giving up four sacks a game while we sack the quarterback about one and a quarter times per game. You think that's a sustainable ratio? <clears throat> Do the math on that over the course of 17 weeks. Do the math on that. So if we give up, what is that, 68 sacks, and we accumulate less than 20, that's not a sustainable ratio. And that's a bigger problem than just saying Justin Fields here in Atlanta. This is the same thing about Lamar Jackson, who, by the way, um, was never going uh, – Lamar Jackson was never going to leave Baltimore – because Baltimore had all the power and 
Remember all that stuff he wasn't going to play for Baltimore and all that? How'd that work out? So, um, But he was never going to leave uh, Baltimore because they had all the leverage and they had all the power. And they could match any offer that was out there. So, again, the idea of we just, you know, insert this quarterback and that quarterback. Let me tell you. Let me insert Pat Mahomes or somebody like that or Tua or somebody. But why would I insert a guy that hasn't lived up to expectations, hasn't done a whole lot in the league to this point, and then you guys get all frustrated about our coaching right now? What makes you think that it would be any better with that guy? What makes you think that this franchise is in a much better direction or, as they would, as, as Greenberg says, a thousand times better right now. I know our quarterback has been a problem, but if you think that, again, if you think that our quarterback has been all of the problem, you don't really watch the Falcons play. You don't really have the nuances of what the Atlanta Falcons are or are not. So, and uh, so uh, text line says, Justin Fields to Atlanta would be great for the Falcons. It'd be great for attendance. Be great for attendance. But is it great for winning football? Is, is it is it an automatic cinch that we're all of a sudden going to win a whole bunch more football games? See, that's at the end of the day what really matters most. Not about how many butts we put in the seats, but do we win or not? All right, coming up at the top of the hour, why stick with Ritter? I'm going to give you some numbers as to why. Coming up next. Chuck, we're hanging out in the Kia Studios, Sports Radio 92 on the game and the Odyssey.com app. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. <laughs> 